Uh, just the only reason I wanted to, the only reason I wanted to have uh, Bill on the show was uh, just because he told me something happened with a magician and a bird and a comedy magic. Oh, we're not comedy. Oh, was it? Oh, we can relax. Yeah, and chill. Ah. Okay. How much do you so? Kick off your shoes. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs> How much time again for your golf lesson? Uh, golf lessons at two. Oh, we're fine. All right. good. We're good. I should take a lesson. I went out and played with my dad the other day. Not good. I did all right. I did it right for playing once a year. I part a few holes. Uh-huh. I did okay. Nice. But I also got a couple of frowny Here's faces. Here's the problem. The problem with golf is the more you take lessons and the better you get, the more frustrating the game becomes. Yeah. Yeah, because then you're, 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 you're expect- you have an expectation yeah. right. of like, and then when you don't meet that expectation, you're... I used to be thrilled shooting in the 90s. Yeah. And I got down to the 80s. Jeez. And I thought... Okay, this is better. And then the worst thing that ever happened was I shot in the 70s. And now every round I judge by that one round. Right. Yeah. Man, if I'm in the 90s, I'm styling. <laughs> yeah, that's how I look. I usually tell my dad, just say, hey, man, if you don't mind how I play, I don't mind how I play. So my, as long as you're not going to get pissed, I'm not going to get pissed. <laughs> I used to be like, that guy would be so mad. But like now, my, where my game is, I don't play as much. So I have no real expectations mm-hmm. so I was like so if I shoot in the 80s I'm like yeah pretty good I've played in three months and if yeah. I shoot 95 I was like well I haven't played in three months right. so it's whenever, like a nice even whenever I play with Gary I can go out and I could shoot 80 81 79 mm-hmm. then I bring Gary out and I don't know what happens something gets in his head but it's 94 95 yeah, yeah it's, it's like dang and then he goes out you know when he calls me he's like, yeah, I shot 81 and I was like really I, like, would, I wish. I wish like, you know what? Because I, I just played with you. And thinking about the club, the club days. I wish that I had taken golf more seriously back then, because it would have been a great way to get out of the condos. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And go do stuff. Uh, and I did towards the end uh, of the club days. I used to when I would get to a town, I would find a golf course and I'd work a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd give them tickets to the show oh, yeah. or whatever. But I had, and then like an idiot, I would tell other comics who played golf, but then they screwed it up. Oh, right. Right. Henry so. Henry Cho used to do that. We would go, we'd bring our clubs like this, and Henry would go. We'd go and have to do radio in the morning, and we'd ask the DJ, "What's like one of the really nice private courses here?" And he was like, "He goes, oh man, if you can get on like Southern Hills, mm-hmm. he says, but that's private. I don't think you can get." And Henry goes, "Well, whatever." So he <laughs> just asked me about golf, and we get on the air, and Henry's like, "Yeah, I brought my golf clubs. Man, I love to play Southern Hills. Everybody <laughs> out there is a member." Man, I'd love, and invariably somebody would call. Nice, yeah, and smart, yeah, and yeah. We would get on these amazing courses all the time for free, and then you made friends with those guys who were members. Mm-hmm. And then every time you were back in town, they're like, you, you know, hey, you coming out the show? Yeah, I go. We're gonna play golf this week because I already got tee times for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Awesome, and you're like, sweet. <laughs> yeah, it was that was a the definite way to work in the road. I mean, it, I you learned as you went along. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was. Uh, Totally, like uh, I never understood. Like th- back in the good old days of the clubs. Hold on, let's get some interest first before we get into oh, okay. start going into this. I got all wrapped up in Oregon. How can I get free golf on the yeah. road again? <laughs> Thanks for tuning into Road Stories. Uh, I am your host, of course, Murray Valeriano. Super stoked to be doing the show. Uh, uh, feeling a little under the weather, so you got to bear with me uh, between the last episode and this. If I get episode, sick, you are yeah. so. Dead. I know. I'm so never, dead. <laughs> I know. I'm never coming back here again. I can see it now. Uh, so we're just going to get right into it. Uh, uh, we got a great lineup. Uh, uh, joining us for the second time, yes, uh, on the show. Uh, uh, I wrote with him at Country Fried uh, for many years. Uh, he opens for Brian Regan and Bill Ingvall. The very funny Gary Brightwell hey. joins us. Hello, real very story funny. people. <laughs> very funny. And uh, sitting earphones left, uh, the guy who hosted Country Fried and the guy who Gary opens for, and you know him from the Blue Collar Comedy Tour and the Tour Rides Again, very, very funny, uh, Billing Vol joins us today. Yeah, I'm getting my cherry popped on, Murray, Murray's you, popping my cherry. This is the very, very first, first podcast? podcast? Very first podcast I've ever done. Really? Yeah. Wow, I feel like I'm an innovator. You know, I had Rudy Moreno. I don't know if you the know Rudy Moreno. That with Mark Marin. Huh? We got Bill Engvall <laughs> on right. Road Stories. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's right. <laughs> now, these are... These WTF are, you know, that. <laughs> it's amazing how it's uh, technology has changed mm-hmm. what we can do. Like this. Yeah. You know, being able to just sit around and yak and put it out there and... People listen to it, and uh, you know, in the old age, you couldn't. There was nothing, yeah, you know, other than just, uh, you know. And and I think probably it's funny. Uh, a friend of mine, Rich Scheidner, uh, is, I love Rich. Had him on yeah, the show. 
He's been. Uh, I, I look forward to his post on Facebook. His Facebook posts are the awesome. He tells these old great road stories uh, that are mainly around him, which uh, makes sense. But uh, you, you forget. You go, oh my god, yeah. That was because. Well, he rattle some names off and some club owners' names. And you oh yeah. Go, oh yeah, I remember yeah. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's because uh, there were some great stories on the road that you know just never got. And I think I'm afraid they're getting lost. Yeah. Because a, we were either so drunk or drugged out we couldn't remember them right right or b uh and by the way we're doing this in my house so you may hear dogs barking and uh doorbell Doorbell ringing ringing. and yeah it's uh so ah and there goes the dog (laughs) the uh but but you some of these stories get lost you know in Mm -hmm. uh because people don't need to stop doing them they stop doing the road or whatever but there was a i mean i remember when i first started i was in uh dallas at the comedy corner, and my job was to—I was the house MC, so I, my job was to pick the comics up at the airport, MC the show for the week, and then mm-hmm. drop them off at the airport. What year was this? Really? This would have been eighty to eighty-two. Okay. Um, and I picked up guys that, you know, like Eddie Murphy, right? Joe Piscopo, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, wow, the uh, drove Robin Williams to his—you know—and these were guys that you know Leno and all these guys, so. You know, Franklin and Jai and mm-hmm. uh, guys that just were amazing, you know, and you you just were watching, you know, and they would tell stories, you know, about the, who this, doing that. And uh, and I thought, God, I can't wait to get on the road and, and experience this. And then <laughs> two years on the road, I go, I really got to get out of this because <laughs> it was just, you know, it was some stories were just so people i i don't expect people to believe them just because right. it was so like i remember one time i was in st louis at the funny bone and there was this guy who would come every saturday night on the middle show every week that i was there and he would never i never knew his name mm-hmm. but he'd come up to me after the show he goes great show bill man always love seeing he'd shake my hand and he would put a, a packet of coke mm-hmm. in the palm of my hand <laughs> now this is in the 80s sure, this, sure. Uh, it was like and I just I never knew his name, and so one week he came and went through the whole thing, and so I had it in my pocket, and I went outside to have a cigarette in between shows. And I'm sitting there smoking my cigarette, and I get to feel this guy staring. There's another guy who keeps staring at me, and so and he keeps going, "Hey George, George, hey George." <laughs> and after about five minutes, I go, "Are you talking to me?" And he goes, "Yeah, George." And I go, "My name's not George." He goes, what's your name? I said, Bill, I'm working the club here. And he goes, I go, who's George? And he goes, ah, because I'm supposed to meet this guy. He goes, I'm with the DEA, and we're setting this guy up for a bust. Well, I got a packet of Coke in my pocket. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you remember that feeling when you got called to the principal that your face got all prickly yeah, and yeah, about yeah. vomited in your mouth? I'm going, I'm, I'm going to jail. And I said, well, hey, man, you want to take a see the show? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I guess. I'm, this guy's a no-show, so I go get him tickets. Now, here's the idiot. Do I throw it away? No. I go down to my car and put it in the trunk of my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get rid of no, it. No, no. It's a free no, gift. Yeah, yeah. We can't re-gift. The, uh, but, you know, just stuff like that. And, like, uh, no, it's so you- true, though. Like, so when you first start going, I mean, like, oh, it's just eye of the tiger. You're like, yeah, I can't wait to get on the road. And, mm-hmm. you know, until you've had your worst. Yeah. One bad condo. And you're like, God, this. Oh, man, God. Man, yeah. I need to move up. Going to eat for free. Going to drink for free. Going to party. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember I was so excited when I started headlining that I got the headliner's bedroom because that was at least bigger. <laughs> yeah. Always had a TV. Always had, had your a own TV. TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sheets weren't any cleaner. And no, no, not, no. You know, it's like, because, no. you know, the waitresses usually did all the laundry yeah. when they got to it. But, uh, you know, just, just stuff like the There was all sorts of... You no, know, isn't there a story, though, like, where you went into a... You you got into the uh, the condo after, like, the middle act. And oh, he, yes. And, oh, that's yes. I love that one. So there was this... I can't remember his name. But... uh it was just an unwritten rule that you know if you weren't the headliner you didn't go and you didn't get the headliner. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got there you know four or five hours after he did, so I walk into the bedroom. He's in there with his wife, and I go, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "Well, I just thought since my wife's here and you know, you wouldn't." I go, "Well, guess nope. what? You're wrong. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I spent too many weeks on the road to be staying in that room there. So you and your lovely bride. I mean, I did. I pulled him aside and sure, in front sure. of her." But I'm sure she hated me, uh, <laughs> just because it was like, no, you don't do that, you know. It's just like, but you know, just like weird stories, like you know, like like there was I was doing a show uh, at a club one time, and it was like a, a midnight show, which was always the worst, you know, because uh, it, it was just 
people too drunk to go home and they yeah, didn't yeah. know what to do. You know, it was like, and so I was, uh, there was this kid who had been busting my chops all week long. He was a middle act and he was, you know, usually a headline. I'm usually headlining these clubs. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. So it came to me, the, it came to the mid, the midnight show and uh, the club owner came to me and says, he goes, he goes, you want to get the hell out of here? And I said, yeah. He goes, all right, do like 30 minutes. He goes, I'll have the middle act do 20. I'll have the opening do five. So he tells us and the middle act goes, whoa, that sucks. He goes, I want to do my whole act. And I said, you know what, ma'am? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do you a solid. Usually headline these clubs, right? And he goes, yeah. And I go, I'll go on before you. You close the show. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I went up for 20 minutes and just blistered. Because the middle <laughs> act had the best slot on the midnight show. Because they were still attentive. Yeah. And then they go downhill fast. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I, I just blistered it for 20 minutes. Guns a blaze. Yo, I pulled out every, the, the accent got thicker. And I was just, what y'all doing? You know, and they're, woo! And then he goes up and just eats it for 30 minutes. And I walked off, and he walked off stage. I said, now I'm going to tell you something. I said, the reason I did, I go, just because you got the time doesn't mean you're the headliner. You got to, I mean, it's a weird, because you got to be the best on the show. And you got to, yeah. you know, and it was like, just stories like, and those are the kind of stories. Like I was in Cincinnati and uh, working on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I've done those Ugh. before. Club owners just will not. They won't say, "Hey, you know what, Super Bowl is not." There was eight people <laughs> in the audience. So, and it was on the East Coast, so the show was later. You know, I mean, the the Super Bowl was later, and I watched the first two acts go up and just eat it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, they had in this club, it was, it was one of the nicer clubs. And they had one of those big screens that would drop down when they would play up and coming out. Sure, acts. sure. I walked on stage and I said, Y'all want to watch the Super Bowl? And they go, Yeah. And I go, Just, just turn it on. I'll tell you jokes in between quarters. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do this. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I was like, It's like that or working New Year's Eve. Oh, my God. I never understood. You know, the only reason I ever worked Fourth New of Year's July. Eve, Fourth of July. I, I worked Fourth of July at Comedy Magic Club. Oh. They did it one time. They that, and Dennis Miller was headlining. And literally, Fourth of July, 10 people in the audience. And Dennis Miller came out on stage and said, you are the ten most unpatriotic motherfuckers <laughs> in the country. <laughs> now he probably won't work Fourth of July. Now he's yeah, so patriotic. Yeah, exactly. But good holidays to work though, like Mother's Day. Mother's Day was good. Pretty packed. Yeah, Father's yeah. Day. Is Valentine's Day was Valentine's a good one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I always hated New Year's Eve though, because a I you know, and I learned this through the years of doing the road. Was it if I was you know because they always threw stupid money at you on New Year's Eve. That's how yeah. they got people to work. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I would show up and I go, here's the deal. No noisemakers, mm-hmm. no champagne till I get off. I said, I'll get off t- 10 to 12 and then I'll stand there while y'all are pouring it out there and I'll count it down with you. But because I made that mistake and then, you know, they, you know, they start handing out the noise. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, that always sounds good. Every, every New Year's, you tell them, let's know, no noisemakers mm-hmm. until the show is done. But there's always some but the waitress, waitress wants or, to wait, get out there. or somebody or who brought just some. So quick! Oh yeah, they yeah. brought their own. They brought their oh, own. Yeah. And then the other thing was always that awkward moment that it's midnight, and everybody's kissing their date, and you're just kind of standing there on stage going, "Well, all right, <laughs> I'm going back to the condo. <laughs> exactly. Get drunk by myself." <laughs> so how do you think? Uh, what what year did you get started, Bill? I started in 1980. 1980. What year did you get started, Gary? Uh, I want to say probably 88. 88, okay. 85, 88. What do you, what do you guys... Because well, I was I started out just working at the comedy Right, club. you worked at the Comedy event, Magic Club, right? Com- yeah, I used to be the house MC for years, and then I used to also help book it and stuff like that. But, yeah, so I was like a waiter and, and a doorman Gary used to do bartender. one of my favorite jokes, and he never does it anymore, because it, it wouldn't work anywhere else. But when I would go to the Comedy Magic Club and Gary would be MC, and he, would always, he used to do this joke about... That he was walking down the sidewalk and somebody, some religious fanatic came up to him and said, Do you know how to get what was it? it? Was a, there was a pamphlet from some local <laughs> uh from some local church and it's like how to get to heaven from, from Hermosa, Hermosa Beach. Beach. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I can only imagine there's just some guy, all right, you go all the way down to the pier, <laughs> make a laugh. And it just made me laugh every time. <laughs> See some guy named Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him you know me, and he'll let you. you know. And then Gary was. Whenever I would work the club, Gary would always goes, "You got to do that joke. You got to do the pig joke." 
Yeah, I was always my favorite building. And I would do the same because in Texas they have a phrase called sweating like a stuck pig. Sure, sure. And so I had this joke. I go, you know, the great thing about that is, is that somebody had to watch it to make it up. Like on some farm, some guy went, Lord, look at your pig sweat. And he goes, yeah, well, watch this. <laughs> and Gary, I, would I could out. see Gary just standing in the doorway waiting for that joke. <laughs> yeah. That's great. How uh, how often do you, I mean, do you ever pop your head in the clubs anymore? Or? You know, once in a while. Yeah. Uh, it's hard now because usually, you know, generally what you do is you fly into the show, then you fly on to the next gig. Right. Uh, but if I'm overnight, you know, and there's a club, I might... I might do it. In fact, I'll tell you a story. Uh, we were doing Blue Collar, and uh, Jeff went up to his room, and uh, the uh, and and Larry didn't want to do it. So Ron and I said so we'd go to this. It was I forget where we were, Omaha maybe, and we went to the club, and Ron went up first. Mm-hmm. And when Ron just you know, and Ron was just slayed it, you know, dirty, and they were just eating it up. And I thought, you know what, I haven't worked dirty in so long. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Really? And yeah. I did like two jokes, and people were looking at me like I was from another planet. And I had to go back to doing my old act. Oh, wow. Because it was like they just they weren't buying it. I don't know if it was like. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was kind of a, 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 an interesting uh, insight that you know, I had been working clean for so long. Yeah, yeah. That, that is got, interesting. That they were like, whoa, whoa. whoa what is like this? Seinfeld going up. Yeah. <laughs> Gary and I, though. MF we, and this and MF <laughs> and that. We all, I always tell Gary we're on the road, and I said, I said when I, whenever it's my, if I know it's my last show that I'm going to do, whether I'm retiring or whatever, I go, I'm going to just, it's going to be just everything I've wanted to say. Dirty, blue. <laughs> and Gary's like, I'll buy front row tickets to that show. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll, I'll be there to host it, yeah. introduce you, <laughs> sit I'm on the I'm just going to call it, stage. don't bring your kids. Yeah. Because this just is going to be. Pull out a whole be, list of oh, things. Oh, just <laughs> people get ready. <laughs> but great. it's interesting to watch how, uh, you know, in the little bits that I've been in the club, I do see there's a difference. I was going to ask if there's a difference. I think there is, Murray, and I'll tell you why. Is when I was in the clubs, there was a, a camaraderie. You know, of you know, like there used to be a, a newspaper called Just for Laughs, mm-hmm. and you could open up and it listed all the clubs and who was playing. So you would go look and you go, "Oh, well, I'm working with Gary and Murray or whatever," and you go, "Okay, cool." And guys hung out. You know, they, 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 they did stuff together. They went to the movies or they went yeah. and played golf. Or yeah. they, and what I notice out of today is that everybody's a me comic. It's like, well, I, you know, they all got, it's just individuals. And, and, and I think also that the comedy has suffered a little bit because, you know, like I'll go over to the improv or something if I've got to see, a, do a showcase or meet somebody. Right. And it's like, there's no jokes anymore. It's just kind of this random... I took my dog down to Starbucks because he likes lattes, and everybody's like, Whoa! I'm like, well, there's no joke there, man. People don't structure a joke. I mean, I learned from Chandling and Leno yeah. and Seinfeld, you know, they're to set up the joke and then the punchline. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you just, now it's just kind of this free form, random subjects. And, you know, and, and, and I, I know I realize that when I say this, I sound like the old guy. <laughs> And I know now that you know, maybe I'm sure guys like Milton Berle and all these guys look at my group and yeah, go, ah, we you know, I remember you know, but, but, but it, and I think it does change. It has to because I remember watching uh oh uh, God, what's his name? Uh, I need more. No, he had glasses. He's older. Uh, he uh, re- uh, I almost said it. Red hey, buttons? No, no. Red no, Skelton? No. Uh, older glasses. He hosted the Tonight Show for uh, Steve Allen. Oh, Steve Allen. Steve Allen. Steve Allen went out on the Tonight Show and did a bit, and all he did was read the lyrics to "I Can't Get No Satisfaction." Oh yeah, I've seen and him do that. Brought yeah. the house down. I mean, people, you know, I think it was Jack Parth that was just banging the yeah, and you know, and you, you couldn't do that these days. Right, people would look at you like, well, what, you know, and so, and I think that you know, I was glad that I I was there when my time was there. You know, when I was in the club because. You know, I became like the storyteller kind of that mm-hmm. just weaves this long hour and a half story, and uh, it was it, you know, it was at the time that was what was working. Uh, although I look back at some of my turn and go, "Oh my god!" You know, you look back. At, I found an old book that I used to write stuff in, and it was just. <laughs> oh really? Did you keep oh, all that stuff? I don't. I think it's. I think my wife packed it away, but good. Oh no! Oh, break no, it out. It was Let's awful. break it out and read it. There was. There was a, <laughs> I used to do some joke about. 
work because I used to DJ in a nightclub. Mm-hmm. And about walking up to girls, asking them to dance, and they go, "No, no," you know. And it was like it was just so stupid, and like uh, <laughs> no jokes, no jokes at all. It was like, like I remember there was one I did about the pinball machine called Xenon, and you would put a quarter, and she go, "Ah," oh. and I go, "I used to spend like ten dollars in quarters," and people would just laugh, and I'm, I look back and I go, "That wasn't even funny." <laughs> yeah, it was. It's all right, but at, you know, but it's so it's, but it, it was funny because when I was in Dallas doing it, I was one of two guys really doing it. There was another mm-hmm. guy named Gene McGuire who is a very funny guy. And uh, but the, we were just we were the main two. Uh, and then Dunham came along, and you know I remember Dunham coming up on open mic night and, and me saying you need to be a little dirtier. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice from Bill. <laughs> Puppets. Yes, I, as I, and I also worked with Roseanne Barr in Colorado Springs one time. And she said, I'm going to move out to L.A. And I go, oh. And I would already out here. And I said, oh, yeah. be careful. They'll eat you up. <laughs> yeah. All right, there you go. This, uh, yeah. Great advice. From yeah, Billy yeah. And if, you really, if you want a big career, just come to me for advice and just do whatever I say opposite. Just, but uh, And so, you know, when I was doing it, it was uh, in Dallas. It was, you kind of were the, I became a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I thought I was king of comedy. Right, and then Star Search came through, and you know they picked me with me or the other guy. They picked me, mm-hmm. and uh, you know everybody's like, "Oh, Bill, you're going to win this, man! You're going to." Like, I started thinking, "Yeah, I'm going to win this." First out, really <laughs> one, one out. show, one and out. Wow, <laughs> got beat by Ken Ober. Oh, the late Ken Ober. Yeah, yeah. Oh. who we then went on to host MTV's Basement Tapes and uh, Remote Control. Remote Control. But it's and funny, then, yeah. When yeah, you yeah. watch the tape, because I thought I did really well. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had won it. And when they announced the scores, you could literally see my face go, what? <laughs> and then I had to, got put on the loser van because the winners had to stay to do, sure. you know, like little uh, uh, things for the next show. Like, hey, right. so-and-so, I'm coming back. And I was on the loser van that headed right back to the hotel with the d- crying dancers and the, <laughs> you know, just the spokesmodel was just had the knife on her wrist. Aww. And I was just thinking, oh, this sucks. I go, I'm getting out of it. I go, this isn't for me. Yeah. And I called Gail and I said, I'm quitting. And she goes, no, you're not. And I, so then I came back and then, you know, went back to work and it was like, but, you know, it's funny, and I look back now that people who lost the first time went actually went on to do really good right. things. I had, uh, I had Anthony Griffith on oh, two, remember, two yeah. episodes ago, right. and he made it to the finals with, uh, I forget his name. You can listen to that episode. And they asked, what are you going to do with the money? And they asked his opponent first, and he said, I'm going to give it to the homeless. And Anthony's like, I lost. I lost right there. Yeah, right there. No, the other story, uh, Evan Davis, like the very f- oh, wow. first, first year... They had Star Search. Uh, he was in the finals against Jenny Jones. I remember that. And he says he's walk, he's pacing backstage, looking over his notes and, and and his set the whole time. And he says, and he looks over at Jenny Jones, and she's sewing sequins on one of the shortest skirts he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and he says he just looked at his notes and looked at his skirt and went, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking into the studio. And hearing Ed McMahon going, and back for his second win, Ken Ober. You know, and he was just recording so they could, you know. Yeah. But I remember thinking, oh, that's not a good sign. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was it Mark Roberts uh, who uh, created... Oh, Mark's great. um, Mike and Molly, and also the writer on Two and a Half Men. He said when he lost, he had had to get in the the van, but he said he, he just started consoling the... The spokesmodel. Yeah. And he, the, he ended up taking her back to the hotel and sleeping with her. <laughs> so he says, even though I lost, I still won. <laughs> yeah, it was, the, it was, the loser van was not pretty because, A, the dancers were just decimated, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. And then the spokesmodels, you know, they were thinking, I'm going to go on to be Miss America. You know, they they had aspirations. You go, what? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, but it was my first uh, experience at, you know, television doing Stand up on television, which is a different animal. I mean, you can't just. That was a club comic. Sure. What's you? You just barrel through it, you know. TV. Ken was more. He had been out. He had been out in L.A. for a while, and he was refined, and Mm -hmm. he kind of knew when to pause. I was just stepping on laughter, and right. Yeah. Yeah, because they only gave you what a minute. Yeah, yeah. So two minutes to. Oh, really? That's short. Yeah. Our search. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was. uh, But it was fun. You know, it was a great experience, and then uh, the. the other thing we uh, when we uh, 
the people who are listening won't know, but Murray just did our 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 broadcast on Blue Collar. And uh, Bill has a bo- uh, radio show you know, on Blue Collar. It's called Off the Cup with Gary. And our subject this last week was public places you've had sex. And I didn't get this. I didn't put this in there, and I should have. That I did it at the Tonight Show. What? In the dressing what? room at what? the Tonight Show. <laughs> you win. You win. That would have blown the guy doing it on the China, China Wall <laughs> right out of the water. <laughs> we got there a little early and we had time and we shut, locked the door and said, how many times are you going to get to do it on the Tonight Show? What do you do with your life after that? I don't know. <laughs> that's I that's don't know. for a comedian. You're what? on the Tonight Show what and, you, and you do it. What if you had eaten it on the show? Well, I did kind of. <laughs> hey, hey we just lost my mom as yeah, a listener. Yeah. <laughs> but now, that, that, I remember the first time I did the Tonight Show with Carson. Uh, I was so excited, and uh, the guy that booked it, uh, Jim McCauley. Jim McCauley. What year is this? Uh, this would have been in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was the year before uh, Carson retired. Oh, so it is ninety then. Yeah, not yeah. Okay, so. I got there and uh, we were just, I was so excited. And uh, we, we, we get there when they told us to. And uh, so they said, well, come on out on stage. And so, you know, nobody's mm-hmm. in the thing. And it's a tiny little studio, tiny. And he, we walk outside on the stage and go, right, see that star? And I said, yeah. He said, that's Johnny's star. You don't stand on that star. Mm-hmm. You stand back here. You see this T? It stands for talent. You stand here. So I said, okay, all right. And the uh, one of my uh, friends came by and, uh, uh, I think it was Maylee Davis came by and, and thank God because I was so jacked. Monica Piper. Monica Piper, yeah. Okay. And she said, Bill, she goes, when you walk out, look at the band, look at Doc, look at Johnny, and then and then do your stuff. Because what it did, it just kind of settled me in. Sure. So I did my set. Uh, and, and, and Victoria Principal was on. <laughs> and she yeah. went long in her segment. And Carson was going to call me over, but she went long, so I got screwed by her. Uh, but I did this great set, and Jim McCauley came. He goes, "This Bill, he goes, great. He goes, this will not be a one-shot deal. You will be back here. Never heard from him again. <laughs> Until Leno got on. <laughs> Found out you're having sex in the green room. Yeah. Like, well, you can clean up <laughs> after that. Come on. But, I mean, it was such uh, I just remember... And I remember thinking, because you know, you, you, I talked to guys that have been on the Tonight Show. Yeah. You know, and then when and then in the eighties, if you did the Tonight Show, you it, you were pretty much made. Yeah, yeah. I sat by that phone waiting for the calls. Yeah. Nothing. That might have been the first time I saw you. Did you do your Dorkfish bit on that? I think I did. Yeah, that was I the did, first. I did. I did I Here's I, your sign in Dorkfish. Yeah, I saw that. I remember my girlfriend and I laying in bed watching that. Wow, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Wow. So how did you and Gary get started working together? Gary and I have known each other for God. I mean, if you took total, it's probably over 30 years, almost 25 years. 25 years. Yeah, yeah wow. And uh, our relationship's been really weird. <laughs> we started <laughs> off really, like when I first met Gary and I, we, we would hung out together. And mm-hmm. all and then we kind of, I went off on, hit on the road real heavy, and I didn't see Gary for a long time. And then uh, when Blue Collar started and I started doing my own shows, mm-hmm. I always remember that Gary was very funny and I liked to you know, hang out with him on the road. And uh, So I got to, and one of my favorite <laughs> Gary Brightwell, Bill Ingvall stories is <laughs> I had done the Pat Sajak show on, uh, on it was in December. Mm-hmm. And so we were having a Christmas party right. afterwards. And I don't know why, but, you know, but who knows why. But when we got back from the Pat Sajak show, I decided I was going to drink Jim Beam and Coke. I never drink Jim Beam. <laughs> So I started drinking Jim Beam. Well, Gary shows up. A little Christmas up. party. A little Christmas party. So party's going great. Later in the evening, you find me and Gary. You know what? The party's done. Done. We're for sitting the most on, part. We're sitting on a cooler, <laughs> drunker than hell. And my wife walked by. And I was so hammered. I grabbed my crotch and I said, I'd fuck that. And he goes, it's your wife. And I go, I should hope so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, Bill used to come down to the Comedy Magic Club, mm-hmm. and it was just one of those, you know, handful of guys that just we clicked and had fun and laughed at the same stuff. Oh, that's and great. Things like that. And like I said, he went off and, you know, was doing blue collar stuff and things like that. And then, of course, I was doing my own deal. And then right. he ended up moving back down closer mm-hmm. here in here in the beach area and we just started hanging out and playing golf and now and gary has kind of become my babysitter oh yeah <laughs> it's I'm sad not- because he's a very very funny comedian but literally 
this is Gary. At we we get ready to leave, and he goes, "All right, did you get you got your phone? You got your thing?" You <laughs> yeah, it's like, like I'm there to open the show. I, I'm there to run, open the show. I'm, I'm there to let the peep the the theater know how the show is going to run. Yeah, and then at the very end, I'm like. I'm like his mom going, all right, do you have your yeah. sweater? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you have your, do you have your gloves? And the funny thing is there, there'll be, sometimes there'll be weekends where like he'll work on with me on Friday, mm-hmm. but then Saturday there will be times, so rarely, but there'll be shows where it's just me. Uh-huh. But Gary's there. Yeah. Well, we show up at the venue. Oh, yeah. And, so, and people look at Gary and they go, uh, are you his manager? And he, and he goes, no. <laughs> and they go, well, do we pay you? And he goes, no. And so we know, we always do that when we leave, they go, Okay, I ain't saying nothing, but <laughs> Ingvall had this dude with him. He didn't work. He didn't he do didn't nothing. Do he just sat in the back and, and made sure he had his wine. shit together. <laughs> Wearing shorts. Yeah. Wearing shorts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my, one of my favorite uh, stories that involved Bill and Gary, and it's uh, it's a personal one, but uh, uh, I mean personal meaning about me, <laughs> not about my guests. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I was working Medford, and I think some of my listeners heard this. I was working Medford, Oregon the weekend you guys were doing the Oregon fair. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I'm like calling, Hey Gary, let's hang out. You know, my show starts, gets over at 10. Let's hang out. I was like, ah, oh, now we're going to probably hop on the plane and get out of here. I'm like, all right, well, I'll just swing by then. So, uh, me and the other comedian, who was it? I don't Don know. Barnhart. Don, of course, Don Barnhart. Yeah. Uh, we swing by. Your green rooms a is trailer. Like a huge trailer. But it was bigger a, than the yeah, club. It was a big was, double wide it was trailer. A big <laughs> double wide trailer. Bigger than the condo I was staying in and the club. And the it probably did about six thousand people. How many people? It, it was, was five a, or six thousand. Five yeah, or six thousand. Yeah. Outside venue. In and out. I went to do my show. There were nine people in the first show. Because <laughs> they were all at the <laughs> Because they're all the at, they're fair. all in your audience. <laughs> <laughs> the, those those fairs are a treat. Uh I was working one that uh, I don't know who booked this, mm-hmm. but they had me, and at the same time, literally 50 yards away, they had the monster tractor pull going. <laughs> nice. So I was starting to a bit near this. So anyway, I'm like, and I'd have to wait for the truck to go by and then finish the joke. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever, do they ever ask you to like host anything or? Now, uh, not I, we kind of put the kibosh on all that stuff yeah. just because it gets weird. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, we were, um, we've we've been in places where you just go, you know, Gary and I. That's why Gary and I are on the road together because we are we have the same sense of humor, and uh, like Gary always goes to the meet and greets. Mm-hmm. Just because they don't, they're there to meet Bill, but I have to go see the weird people. Because the minute I don't go to the meet and greet, something happens. Yeah, and Bill will come back and go, "Oh my God, you missed you. You were not going to believe what just happened." I'm yeah. like, "What?" So I, I make sure I always go. And there's guys that show up and it's like just, that one of the fairs we showed up, and the guy was there to take his picture with Bill, and he was working the fair evidently, and he had the biggest chili stain on his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> And didn't even bother. He's going to have his picture taken with one of the stars that's going on on the, on the fair. And he, he, all right, I'm just got my picture taken with my big chili stick. Gary also runs a lot of interference for me because, like, we were at one gig uh, back east. And generally, what we do is we limit it to 20 people on the meet and greet because it's, oh, yeah. usually it's 30 minutes for the show. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like radio giveaway. Yeah, we want to get like we want to get in, make sure everybody's in their seat. So we get to this gig, and there's this kid, literally a kid. Is the promoter? He's probably nineteen, twenty years yeah. old. And he goes, I go, uh, he goes, well, are you ready for the meet and greet? And I go, yeah. How many you got? And he goes, hundred and fifty. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, well, he goes, there was a breakdown of communication, and we gave away fifty. The radio gave away fifty, and we got fifty people who first piece, fifty people who bought tickets got. I go, okay. And wow. Gary walks out. and He goes. You better be glad Ingvall's nice because <laughs> yeah. this would not have happened with other comics. Yeah, right. And yeah. we cut through them, but God almighty. Wow. You see people at some of these meet and greets that they're not in medical books. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you wonder how they're alive. Yeah. yeah. There's no starvation going on at a lot no, of these no. places. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, and they want to hug you and they want to, you know, and, and, and I, I love meeting the people. Sure. But it's like, you know, this isn't any advice to any people who go to show. If you have me greet people, just walk up, say hi, I'm a fan, and get a picture, move on. You don't really need to tell us your life story. Mm-hmm. You know, and 
people will go, listen, I know you got a lot of people here, but let me tell you. My father, 149. Yeah, my father-in-law <laughs> is here, and he's, well, the Lord took his eyes. And, you know, and just like. <laughs> we just wondered if you I'm would take sorry. a little time. Yeah, just if you could come over to the house and right. oh, yeah. read to him, that'd be nice. <laughs> you know. I've had I've had some people. those What people will say to you is, be sometimes it just blows my mind. I've had people say, I was doing a show uh, when I first started, when I first, Here's Your Sign first got big. Uh-huh. And we used to call them these the blood and mud gigs. It was like one of those three-day festivals, mm-hmm. country acts. Well, I'm on stage doing my show, and Leanne Rimes is behind. She's coming up next. Well, I'm doing my show, and Leanne Rimes' drummer starts tuning his drum right in the middle of my show. <laughs> and I kind of look back, and you know, he kind of smiles and just bam, bam, bam. And I, I look back again, and he, it's like clueless. So I walk. I said, "Excuse me a second. And I walked back and I said, "If you hit that drum one more time, I'm going to shove that stick so far up your ass." And he goes, "Oh, dude, I'm sorry. What? Well, when did you? <laughs> he's on. He's on, on stage. stage. <laughs> he's on well, stage. He's yeah. behind you yeah. while you're yeah. doing your show. Yeah. It's nice to see that like that like lack of respect is oh, at, no, at, at, all, at every it's level. Never, at every level. So I finished my show and right as about two minutes before I'm done, this kid walks up with a big poster board said, "Here's your sign." He sets it on the stage with a marker. Like you should do. Mm-hmm. I finished my show. I reached down and I signed his card and I look up and it's just this sea of people coming at the stage. Well, I've got to get off. So I went to one end of the stage and I'm just signing autographs all the way down mm-hmm. the stage. And I said, hey, thanks a lot. There's a guy standing with like a two-year-old on his shoulder. He goes, hey, don't be a jackass. Sign something for my daughter. <laughs> and I looked at him and I bent down and I said, I'm going to sign this for your daughter. But let me tell you something. I said, I hope you die in a car wreck. <laughs> and walked off stage. <laughs> People, that just they'll say stuff to you. You just go, you know, like, uh, the, the, my favorite is like, I hate, you know, I'll be sitting there having dinner with my family. And I hate to bother you. No, you don't. Because yeah. if you did, you wouldn't be walking up. Yeah. You know, and like, and I love sign. I guarantee I sign for everybody. He's, yeah, he's yeah. one of the. But it's just like, you know, some people just don't have that switch that they know, oh, I should wait till he's done eating or catch him on sure. the way out. And, but, you know, I got to tell you, overall, it's, this has just been such an amazing ride. It's, uh, I still love doing stand up. I love the time on stage. And, uh, and, you know, and being on the road with Gary makes it so much easier because uh, we laugh. And, you know, it's just, but people don't understand about comedy, and you guys all get it. It's a weird, I think there's a huge, there's a, a big reason why there's a lot of alcoholism and drug use in mm-hmm. comedy. And, and it's, it's it, for 60 minutes to 90 minutes, you got 2,000 new best friends. But then they all leave and you go back to a hotel by yourself. And it's a weird thing to wrap your head around. Yeah. That you're in a room yeah. going, well, now it's just me and somebody's going to pick me up who I don't know and drive me mm-hmm. to an airport and. Get yeah. on a plane it's just a, a weird bit i mean it's a weird business to, and you see why some comics are kind of weirded out by it yeah yeah so did not to get too personal but you, you mentioned that almost getting busted with coke did you get involved in a lot of that oh yeah yeah oh yeah. really there was a period in my career that i was totally headed for being an alcoholic i mean oh, it, really? it was uh it was in the club days and it was i had kind of gotten as high as i could get in the club mm-hmm. you know i was a, a weekend draw and well, I had seen Foxworthy just rocket through the, sure. roof, you know, <clears throat> theaters. Yeah, theaters. Past all that. Past me, theaters. everything. Yeah, and, yeah. and I had been doing this, I've been doing this five years longer than Fox. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was weird. You know, all of a sudden, then I was, I was started drinking tequila on stage. And, uh, you know, and, I, and it, there were signs <laughs> that popped up, but I just didn't see them. Sure. You know, like I remember it, I was at the Cincinnati Funny Bone and I was outside in between shows having a cigarette. And a guy came up to me and he goes, hey, man, we seen you last time. And I said, oh, great. And he goes, you going to drink as much as you did last time? And I kind of went, well, that's... So he wouldn't come to see if I was funny. Right, right. You know, He's and then, coming to party. Coming to party. And then there was like, I was doing a midnight show and I'd already had like way too many shots, you know, in two shows before that. And, you know, I'm ordering shots. And of course, the club owners loved it because yeah. I'd order a shot and go, hey, people go, oh, yeah, let me get a shot, you know. Yeah, so they never the stopped it. Yeah, let me know? buy him a shot. Yeah. I want to buy Bill a shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it just got to the point that, you know, and I would go back to the hotel and I'd be hammered and I'd know I got to call home. And I'm looking at that phone and just going, ugh, she's going to know the minute she picks it up. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, I give a lot of credit to my wife because she stuck by me through a thick and thin on that. And, 
uh, and, and I, she finally said, Bill, you've got to get it together. Mm-hmm. And it was just all because I felt frustrated that I wouldn't, you know, and that was how I was drowning my frustration. So right. instead of just, uh, you know, uh, buckling up and, and, you know, sucking it up and, and doing what I had to do. And it's weird, you know, the comics mind because, like, and I've, I've told this story before. Now. Still love the free beers, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, but, but then, you know, even then it was like, you know, beers is one thing, but, you know, I was drinking not for the enjoyment of it. Yeah. It was just me. And uh, it is funny because the drinking part, didn't get, but the, the, the psychosis of a comic is like when we did Blue Collar, mm-hmm. for the first, we did it for 10 years. For the first four of it, I never enjoyed it. Because I was so focused on trying to beat Jeff, I wanted to beat Jeff. Oh, really? And I and I, you know, I had this big rock and roll opening mm-hmm. and songs playing, and you know, and of all people, Ron White. One night we were sitting at a bar, and he goes, "Man, Bill," he goes, "I remember a time in a club." He goes, "I'd go up and throw down my best stuff, and you'd come up with your slow delivery and just gut the room." Mm-hmm. And it, all of a sudden, it hit, and I went. I got away from being who I was because I was so focused on trying to be him, be Jeff. And when I and it was weird because I it was almost like an alcoholic that I had to go to Jeff and say, "I got to talk to you." And I said, "I want to apologize for I've been trying to beat you and out top you." And, right. and Jeff was very uncomfortable with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, and he's like, "Okay, whatever." You know, and then, but then I finally then I started enjoying my and I mm-hmm. got back to being who I was and what got me to where I'm at. But it's just weird how the brain can. Yeah, kind of, you know, and, and and like Gary said, you know, the the clubs kind of fostered this drinking because, you know, it was a yeah. unwritten rule that you know comics drank for free. Now there was guys who screwed that up too because they would, <laughs> you know, they would just yeah. blister the room with alcohol. You know, like, yeah. like I can't keep giving you guys free drinks. Now you get now you get I, one drink ticket and eat off yeah. the left side of the menu. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I remember getting ready to go to the new Jacksonville Punchline. This is the one that came on after right the really crazy fun one. And I remember getting on a plane, and, and you were on the plane, and you go, where are you going? I go, I'm going to the punch punchline in Jacksonville. He goes, you go to the new one? I go, yeah. And he goes, dude, they only give you two drinks. And I go, well, two drinks a night's not that bad. He goes, no, no, no. Two drinks. Two drinks. For the week. Really? For the week. <laughs> so, you, so you're like, oh, I'm going to have mine Wednesday, and then I'm going to have it Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I remember working the... I just I remember going to the liquor store and grabbing a 12-pack of Coors Lights oh, yeah. and sticking them in the f- ice behind the bar and go, these are mine. The bartender <laughs> went, all right. <laughs> the, I remember working the Pittsburgh Funny Bone, and uh, a guy, I was on stage, and it was one of these, <laughs> the whole show was kind of weird. The MC was a local guy. Yeah. Inter- this was his introduction. Hey, all right, time for your headliner. Loves the Cowboys, hates the Steelers. Here he is, Bill Ingvall. We're in Pittsburgh <laughs> right. of all time. Oh, so I get over that hump, and I'm doing my show, and some guy goes, hey, it's my birthday. And I go, hey, man, happy birthday. I go, what you drinking? He goes, Long Island iced tea. So I said, well, I'm going to get you Long Island iced tea. I finish my show. I walk off the club owner. goes, that'll be 475 uh. I said, what? And he goes, you bought that guy a drink? And I go, you can't buy one guy, and I had to pay five bucks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's because you guys ruined it for us. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> there were, but, but around 88, 89, when you got started, Gary, the, the kind of, was the drug scene still happening? Yeah, I never really saw any of yeah. that kind of stuff I didn't stuff see it too much. At, it, it was funny. I didn't see it in, at the Comedy Magic Club at all. Yeah. 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 Because Mike, so, Mike Lacey ran a yeah. really nice club, and everybody knew that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, like if you go to the store, well, it's yeah. like. Pfft. Yeah, I just, I never saw any of that uh, ever. I think the road yeah. was where you mainly saw it, yeah. just because I think a lot of guys. You know, also, yeah, remember that was before nine eleven. You know, pretty much you could just. I remember being able just to. I, if I had a nine o'clock flight, I got to the airport at eight thirty right. <laughs> and walked on. You know, it was yeah. like you know, and, and people there was no check in or anything, so mm-hmm. people carried their stuff and. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, and I saw it in Dallas uh, when I was at the Comedy Corner. Guys would come through that had it. And, yeah. Uh, and of course, one of our bouncers was a dealer, so that was a big deal. You know, they, they always and everybody knew it. <laughs> right, right. So every once in a while, I find an audience member is like, "Hey, you want to come back to the? You want to come back to our?" That would be our so party? weird for me to say something like that. Yeah, yeah. To, I know. For someone to say that to me now, I'd be like, "What?" Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. I was on the road in uh, Oklahoma with a friend of mine, and uh, it wasn't Gary. The uh, and we had done this show, and this we're sitting at the bar, and this big old cowboy comes up, and he goes. Man, y'all, that was a great show. He goes, why don't y'all come back to the house? I got some weed. I got some quaaludes, <laughs> some cocaine. And my friend goes, praise God. And he goes, don't make fun of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> 
was like, really? You just listed every drug known to man. Oh, my God. I was in Florida working with Blake Clark, and mm-hmm. we, we did the shows, and we're drinking, and the guy was like, hey, you want to come on by to our house? Well, you know, we were like, all right, fine. Like, listen, we're, we had our own car, so Blake was driving, and we're following this guy, and we start turning down streets, and then the streets start getting smaller and smaller. Next thing you know, there was no pavement. It was like a dirt road like this. And finally, the guy pulls in. You can see a house like there. And we get out of the car, and we start walking towards the house. And I, I actually go to Blake. I go, are we, are we really going to go in here? And he goes, you don't think it's a good idea? <laughs> and I go, no. And he goes, all right, let's go. And we turned around and got back. It was that weird inner voice yeah. that just was like... Yeah. The, it was just. I learned early on never go back to the house. No, never go back. I to I did their that house. one night. It was never me. go to a second location with a hippie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was me and uh, this guy, this uh, African American comic named Black uh, uh, Michael A. Smith, and uh, and then they, and so they invite us. Somebody invites us to the house, and I go, all right, whatever. So we same thing. We're out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and we pull up, and this guy opens the door, and he goes, "Hey, Bob, what's up?" He goes, "Hey, I brought the comics with me." He goes. That one dude's black. And I went, we're gone. <laughs> and the way we got back to town was we looked for the airport f- beacon. Right, right. And just kind of kept driving that way to get to oh town. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. So what kind of rooms were uh, around in Texas when you were starting out? Since when I started out, there was not. There was the Houston Comedy Workshop, which was where, uh, at the time, they had Kennison yeah, yeah. and uh, Hicks. Bill Hicks. Sure. And, you know, that was the only other room in Dallas. Uh, Fred, Fred of, Green? Fred, yeah. Uh, Greenlee? Fred Greenlee, Greenlee, yeah. Greenlee, yeah. Fred yeah. Greenlee. And there was a bunch. Of, they had a stable of comics. It yeah, was yeah. just crazy. But Jimmy that, Pineapple. Jimmy Pineapple was another one. Uh, and uh, Which Every time I read that, I was like, that, is that really a guy? Well, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Yeah. Jimmy uh, Pineapple. Was there, there was an improv scene, like improv comedy or sketch comedy too scene? They did that in the next room uh, okay. at Houston. I knew but, a lot of those guys like but, Ken Polk yeah, and Chris yeah. McGaha. And, yeah, okay. those guys. Hmm. Well, in Dallas, if you wanted to work, in, you just went down to Houston. But mm-hmm. man, I'm telling you what, you might follow, you might have Kennison and Hicks right in front of you. Oh, and, really? And, you know, and it was a tiny little room. Yeah. Uh, but that was about it. Uh, I remember the what was first your club. Mike was the Comedy Corner the comedy in Dallas, corner. and uh, my first road gig, uh, David Strassman got it for me. I was Triloquist. Yeah, I was. I had been at this club for like two and a half years, so I'd already had like I had like forty five to an hour. Mm-hmm. With so I went out as a middle act. Well, I went out as a middle act to this club in Florida that John Cochran ran, and. Uh, the only reason they brought me in was because Paul Kelly, who is a great comic, uh, had been there for six weeks in a row. Ooh. And they uh. and they wanted... No, I went out as a headliner because they brought me in as a headliner and bumped Paul to the middle act. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul was getting... This is my first road gig ever. Paul's getting standing ovations. <laughs> there's, there's women wearing t-shirts say Paul Kelly fans. You know, it's like... <laughs> and it was just brutal. And it comes to the end of the week, and the and the club owner paid me in fives, ones, and an eight ball. <laughs> Just like I go, what am I going to do with an eight ball? I can't go to my landlord and go, hey, I don't have the rent, but here's a couple lines. I right, right. But so I got indoctrinated real quick. Yeah. That you had to you you had to do the thing, and then uh, probably the best thing ever happened to me was at the time the Funny Bone had like seventeen clubs. And I was working them, and uh, I wanted to go to L.A. and uh, Gerald Kubak, who ran them. Said, if you'll move to St. Louis, I'll headline in all my clubs. You can live at my house, save your money, and you can go to L.A. So that was what got me. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I mean, so there was still good. There was good stories out of the yeah, yeah. club circuit too. That, and uh, we moved out here with a wife that's eight months pregnant, two dogs, and a Volkswagen Golf. And I remember driving in to, and seeing the Hollywood sign. I go, oh, please be good to me. Yeah, because <laughs> we didn't know what you know. And then a, a funny story uh, to tie this all together is because that's where you had to go. You know, the mm-hmm. Tonight Show was there, and if you wanted to do any acting, yeah. and that's why I always wanted to be an actor. Sure, sure. And uh, so I got my first audition, and I had Gail read it with me. And I found this out years later. I, le- I go, all right, I got it. I left the house, and she sat on the couch and just started crying. <laughs> and I said, what's wrong? She goes, we're eight, I'm eight months pregnant. We're in a house we cannot afford, and you couldn't act your way out of a paper bag. <laughs> and so in her sweet little way, she got me to go to acting class. Because I thought, you want to be an actor? You just be in, I'm an actor. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. But it, it's all worked out. And uh, <laughs> you know, and to this day, I still love it. And it's, uh, 
yeah, it's it's. I can't believe it that this much time's gone by. Yeah, that's great. Um, we still got a few more minutes, real quick. Gary, what is uh, either your worst gig you can remember offhand, or your first gig, <laughs> which is a better story? Um, well, my first road gig was uh, actually like I was I. If you say opening for Bill, I'm going to get mad. No, like no, I got no, mad I was, at Jamie but, Taylor, no, no. whose first opening gig was opening for Larry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, my uh, my very first road gig was the Wheeler Opera House in Aspen, Colorado. And it was me and uh, magician, comedy magician Paul Kozak. Mm. It was my very first road gig. And Paul Kozak goes, this is too nice for your first road gig. This is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> said, you should be staying in a crappy condo and the club is gonna be should be horrible this is wrong it was like it was a theater it was yeah. my very first so i was lucky that that way my worst gig uh i think i, I seattle i was i i went in they wasn't standing was, on the steps of that office oh building. that's the worst yeah, yeah. yeah all, right. All, right. That's, all right that's the worst get all right so uh, there was a time where i was like had no work and I was desperate for some cash and somebody called and said hey we want you to come do a uh, a, sh- a show for the advertising agency Saatchi and Saatchi right. which is a big huge adver- I was like wow this is pretty cool and I go where is it and they said it was and it literally was like 10 minutes from my house mm-hmm. it was down on, on Sepulveda or whatever and they go what, time's the sh- what time do you want this and they go we want you there about 4 o'clock in the afternoon and I was like oh, well all right, you know, yeah. I think this was paying like a hundred bucks, but right. it was like hundred bucks huge. I needed. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I go down to the address and I go inside the lobby of their office building and get in the elevator, go up, and I, I'm looking for so and so like this, and they go, "Oh, she's downstairs setting up for the comedy show." And I was like, "Really? I don't, you know." So I, I go, "Where?" And they go downstairs. It wasn't inside the lobby of the of the of the building. It was on the steps before you opened the door to get into the lobby of the building. It was on the steps outside on oh. Sepulveda oh. at four in the afternoon. <laughs> at four in the afternoon, rush hour traffic. Right. And it was me. And they had a set, they pulled out a karaoke machine, so they had a sound system. And it was people standing around eating ice cream. <laughs> and I'm doing because they wanted me to do 30 minutes. So when I got down there, I said, she goes, well, th- we thought maybe you would do uh, 20 minutes. And I was like, sweet. It's already <laughs> gone like this. And she goes, we thought you could do 10 minutes. Then we'll take a break and then do 10 more minutes. And I was like, let's pull all the wisdom teeth at once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was evidently what it was, was it turned out to be uh, the carpool, people who participated in the carpool mm-hmm. program the state of California gave them money for a, like a half hour break in their day and the money would go to, you know, comedy food show. or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. whatever they, they, they would do. have a comedian and ice cream. So even if I did well, they couldn't applaud or anything because they're literally holding ice cream <laughs> in their hands and a spoon <laughs> and the cars are... <laughs> and so the worst thing, I, as soon as I got the, the money, I was like, let's go spend this dirty money. I, this is the worst. <laughs> and to this day... Every we'll time I come home from any kind of gig, I have to go down Sepulveda, yeah. and I have to drive by that building, and I just have to look at it and go, did a show right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, not inside. <laughs> right there, I did a show. That, yeah, that was the worst. My worst gig was early on. I was working at the Comedy Corner of the EMC, mm-hmm. and this lady came up to me and said, we want you to do our convention. I said, oh, convention? She goes, we'll pay you 300 bucks. I was like, you got, a, you got an act. <laughs> so I get directions for it. You have to understand that in my comedy career, I've gone through several metamorphoses of how I thought I'd look. But in fact, it was whoever was their headline that week. I would like if it was Jerry Seinfeld. I mm-hmm. had the jacket with the sleeves oh, pushed up, interesting. And tennis shoes, tennis and shoes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I put on this corduroy jacket, and it was kind of cool. So I had a scarf on, mm-hmm. like a, like a ascot? Like, like an ascot. <laughs> <laughs> so I show up, and I follow directions. It's a quarter mile dirt track speedway awards banquet. Oh, so I walk in. Look at the queer Nash. Yeah, <laughs> it's like long banquet tables. It's kind of just fold down. People, kids are drinking beer. There's a three-piece country band playing under a red, blue, and green light. And I walk over to the girl. And she goes, "Oh, you're here. Great." She goes, "You're going to go on right after the band." Well, she's already kind of slurring her words. I go, mm-hmm. "All right." So the band uh, finishes. No introductions. Here's a comedian. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I walk on stage. I'm on the floor. 
I'm standing on the, there's no stage. I'm just on the floor with a mic, and there's people at all these tables. <laughs> and I did one joke, and from the audience, I hear this. You suck. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Walked over. The woman goes, you are great. And hands me the check. <laughs> nice. And I drove straight to the bank it was drawn on. <laughs> oh, nice. You got paid, too. That's oh. awesome. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that long dirt road when uh, Don Barnhart and I went out to drive out to see you guys. Oh yeah, we're, we're in the <laughs> we're at the state fair. You know, there's the there's the pig. Uh, yeah, that's right. You guys, had to, we had to set it up for you guys to get pulled. <laughs> and then here comes a little black uh, town car pulling into the left. I'm like, oh, there they are. Yeah. And Don's like, how do you know? I'm like, it's a black town car pulling into the pig exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling it's them. I did a, a corporate gig, and they were paying big money. Yeah. And I show up, and they said, it's this national grocery chain. Mm-hmm. All right, it was in Atlanta. I show up. It's mom and pop grocers. Oh. And it was a, a food chain that had invited them all. These people come from these backwoods towns. And I walk into the room. There's two buffets going. There's video games all that ring the room. The people are playing, and mm-hmm. you know they haven't seen electronics out in <laughs> shitville. So this is all like being Disney World to them. On stage is a party band, you know, with the fake the blow up guitars. And, yeah, yeah. And there's a guy with a sombrero on who's just drunker than shit, and he's dancing and singing. I go, what that? And they go, that's our CEO. I go, oh my god. And there was a huge dance floor between the stage and the first table. And I go, this ain't going to work. And she goes, oh, it'll be fine. I go, it's not going to work. She goes, well, you know, we've, we, we, you're here. And I go, oh. so I go on. I did the show. I did the show for 20 people who stood in front of the, because they wouldn't shut down the buffet. They wouldn't shut down the video games. And, but they wanted, you know, they wanted their comedy show. Right, right. And it was just, I just remember, I, I, I called Gail and I said, I'm just, I'm a whore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a cheap backwoods blowjob behind the dumpster whore because it's just like, all right, the money's good, I'll be there. Yeah. I know they, you could Pat- say no, but you don't. No, you just do it. Comedian Lachlan Patterson was on the show and said the rule of comedy is never do comedy next to something better than comedy. Yep, a buffet and arcade games. <laughs> You're not gonna beat them. Don't follow kids or animals. <laughs> I was opening for Brian Regan at a corporate gig because Brian brings me along to do 15 minutes, basically to take the bullet. Take the bullet. What it is? He went. He said, "In a theater." They get, no, no, this no. Was, these are like hotels. This, oh, 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 this oh. was like a. This was uh, for a, a multi-level oh, marketing right, right. corporate thing, and I literally, this is how it is. They. These guys came back and they said, all right, this is how the show is going to work. These two guys are on stage right now. They're going to come off. They're going to put on Star Trek outfits. They're going to go back on stage. They're going to leave in an in a, in a egg that will float up into the sky. Then you're on. And I was like, really? What? Okay. And sure enough, these two guys come back and they, they take the shirts off and they're putting on Star Trek shirts. And they, you know, they go back and they, you know, they give you this, we're going to boldly take this company to where this company's never gone before like this. And literally an egg on a crane comes down and these guys get in this thing and there's lasers and smoke machines <laughs> blowing fog everywhere. And these guys literally carry off up into the, sm- into the, the smoke and everything and they're gone. And no introduction of me, they're just my name on a... On a uh, uh, a screen that yeah. just said Gary Brightwell, and I and the guy goes, "You're on, go!" <laughs> and I just ran into this fog. And Brian Regan said it was the he says it was the funniest yet the saddest thing. He says it was like I was sending you off to war and never to see you again. <laughs> I ate it for 14 minutes, and I started kind of getting something, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it was time to be done. And then Brian went on, and he he did fine, but not as he didn't do Brian Regan fine yeah, like yeah. he's used to, right? And I was like, as soon as we were done, Brian was like, let's get out of here. Like this. And so we leave. And I was like, thank God no one saw me. Right. Two days later, an email from some girl that I went to high school with. Oh, my God. You're not going to believe it. We were at this thing. And I was like, you come on stage. Oh, my God. Damn. God damn it. Oh, God. Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, uh, uh can you tell that story about? I, I thought it was at the Comedy Magic Club about the magician. Oh, Oprah. there was. This is one of my favorite. It was. It was. It was, just, it was a, the row because it was on a, a room that had a low ceiling, but mm-hmm. they had ceiling fans because that was when you could smoke in the clubs. And mm-hmm. they kind of just figured, well, well, instead of getting rid of it, we'll just kind of move it around. Yeah. Well, there was a magician that had this bird. It was like a Beretta bird, like a cockatoo, and he would do this thing, and at the end, the bird would fly off his hand and fly around the room and come back, and that was his big closing. 
well, the ceiling's low and the fans are going. And he does his thing and the bird takes off and you're this. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and the bird drops. And this magician is just mortal. I mean, he's like broken. He's, yeah, yeah. he's crying. His bird. His bird died. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And it's closer. And he gets the bird. <laughs> and he's walking out of the back of the room and some redneck goes, I don't know how much them birds cost, but that was the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just no respect at all. Hey, listen, guys, thank you so much for it's been uh, really fun, man, for, really for doing fun. this, and thanks for having me on your show a couple times, and uh, thanks for uh, doing all the work for me today because I'm feel like I'm getting sicker. <laughs> so I didn't have <laughs> well, to do much. Treat, Murray. Always fun to hang with. All right, all right um, buddy. What Gary Brightwell? Where can we find you? Uh, at uh, uh, GaryBrightwell.com. Awesome. And. Uh, on Facebook. Facebook, okay. Yeah. And Any- we, we, we do Bill and I do a weekly radio show on Sirius XM channel ninety seven. Uh airs live Mondays, eleven eleven AM Pacific. Pacific. Mm-hmm. Uh and and they replay it all week. So awesome. you can listen to us on that. Excellent. And there's billingball.com. Right? Billingball.com. Uh just check it out and uh like I said, with Gary on the radio show and this all the tour dates and all that. Okay, great. You have the cartoon, right? And I got a show coming out this uh, summer on CMT. As a matter of fact, it's called The Bounty Hunters. It's uh, oh, me, awesome. Jeff, and Larry in an animated show. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so oh, we'll looking see forward what to that. Excellent. So all it'll right, be, it'll be like Country Fight. We'll get thirteen and out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, like us on the Facebook page. Uh, read a review. Write a review on iTunes. I always love reading those if they're good. And, uh, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, thank guys. Obviously, Anytime. come see these guys when you come in, when they come to your town. They're obviously very very funny. Uh, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye.